Alive and Kicking is brought to you in association with PartyPoker.com. Sign up now using the bonus code AK90s and PartyPoker will match your initial deposit. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than a Mitchell family squad over Sharon and Kathy. My name's Ash Rose and I've been put in charge of this walk down memory lane into a decade that we like to say changed football forever. Tonight we're getting in the spirit of deadline day week, as it is in 2015, but we're not looking at Twitter or Sky Sports News, as we're quite happy checking out all the transfers on CFAX, Teletax and of course Club Call. Before I introduce today's guest, I just want to say a massive thank you again to everyone who's downloaded or listened to last week's pop or the first three. We're having a great response out there, so long may it continue. If you do like what you heard so far and you're feeling like you need to let it out and, and, and tell the world how great the, the 90s nostalgia is on the pod, then do leave us a little review on iTunes. It, it's great to share our nostalgia trip and, and let, let them know we're there and everything. So please do that. Or, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at AK90s or on Facebook forward slash AK90s as well. And drop us any photos or, you know, nostalgia pieces that you have in your loft. We love seeing those. I know a few of you have done it on Twitter already and we see some great shirts uh, and some adverts and stuff. So if you've got anything lying around, sticker books, anything like that, we love seeing that so so do tweet us but back to tonight and let me introduce tonight's guests uh firstly someone who can probably name the famous five at white hart lane deputy editor of mega and and horrible histories magazine spurs fan richard clare good evening hello ash thanks for having me thanks for joining us alongside him we get to experience the wonder that was newcastle in the 90s and everything that happened with match of the day's matt Ketchell. good I'll, evening i'll read all right, that's perfectly Geordie for us there. And completing our transfer trio here to my right is a lady who saw the good, the bad, the ugly, and the Chris Kawamia in the, <laughs> in the transfer. Well, I don't know what subject he comes under. Uh, freelance journalist Natasha Henry. Hiya, you're right, boss. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you all for joining us. Now, before we talk about transfers, something that you guys may have heard and you listeners as well that I like to do, but just to get to know our guests a little bit better before we start to talk subject, is the 90s football CV. So I'm looking straight at Richard, I'm going to go straight to him. We've got three questions for you so firstly sum up the 90s for Tottenham I've been saying a sentence but most guests go on for quite a long paragraph so we'll say sentence and see how you get on okay well uh, started and ended in Cup Glory 91 FA Cup uh, League Cup in 99 but mainly mediocre for Spurs (laughs) You had the famous five, though. We did, we did, but we also had people like Stuart Nethercott at the back, so uh, it kind of kind of oh, tempered it a bit. Second time, poor Stuart Nethercott's been said on this podium. <laughs> Not the most glamorous of terms. Um, best club player then of the nineties for Tottenham. Well, like Matt and Natasha, I've struggled a little bit with this one. I thought of Lineker, Gaza, Klinsman, Sheringham, but I've, I've gone with Ginola just because I'm, I'm a sucker for flair. And um, whenever I was at White Hart Lane and he picked up the ball, it, it, the excitement around the stadium it was it was it was a fantastic player to watch that goal was it Barnsley the goal Barnsley yeah yeah yeah. in the FA Cup Uh, there was also a goal against Watford where he picked it up on the halfway line and and ran ran at the opposition and um, what a player my favourite thing about that 99 season I think I've already said it on the pub before is that Man United won the treble won everything yeah. Ginola got player of the year brilliant Yeah, love that so best 90s player overall you're going to swing for a Tottenham player or are you going to go outside the box I'm going to go way outside the box way I'm going to go outside the Premier League and say oh. uh, I'm going to take you back to USA 94 oh, always Richard you can always take me back there Romario oh. um, man after my own heart at his absolute peak wasn't he and, yeah. um, playing for Barcelona at the time and then 
fantastic for, for Brazil, propelled them to the World Cup glory. So he's got to be my, my favourite 90s player of all time, I think. Scored a thousand goals eventually. Well, so he says. Yeah. I don't know how allegedly. Many, yeah, allegedly. I don't know how many of them were legal. But Biggest goal hunger in the game, I think. Wasn't well, it worked in the 90s, didn't it? <laughs> the offside rule was different, but that's well, not. Well, ask Gary Lineker, that. it clearly works exactly, for him. Exactly, exactly. Well. And that voice belongs to Tasha. I'm now I'm going to go over to you then. Um, but 96 CV then, that's sum up. We've already had, this is the first time actually we've had someone repeating a club. So we had an Arsenal fan on before. I don't know if you listen, Liam. Um, went for his 90s CV. But let's go for yours. Sum up the 90s for uh, Arsenal. A uh, period of change. Mm. In terms of mentality and ability, mm. short and sweet. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, best club player. You got so many to choose from. I'll, I'll say. I'm like, sorry, we we, had... we we don't even need to finish that sentence. <laughs> we can't talk about anyone but Dennis. And that's not just my own opinion. That's I've interviewed several Arsenal players over the years and watched loads of documentaries and. Firstly, they all say he's the greatest player they've mm. ever played with. And I remember Martin Kieran saying um, they were at the petrol station and he heard it and he was thinking to himself, oh my God, why is he coming to Arsenal? The first training session, <laughs> no one wanted to train. They just wanted to stand there and watch him. And I think that's not even just me as an Arsenal fan. That's Arsenal as a club. He, he just... He just changed everyone's yeah, world, absolutely. And it's it's basically Bruce Rioch's obituary because he bought him. Yeah. No mm. disrespect to Bruce, Bruce Rioch, but I don't remember anything else he did. I was going to say about the only but, good thing he did. Yeah, he exactly. David Platt, didn't he? <laughs> Dennis Bergkamp. Bergkamp <laughs> also scored the greatest goal I've ever seen, which is when he spanned Abby's ass, and, uh, which he meant a hundred percent meant. Hundred percent meant. Yeah, I, I don't care what anyone says. They say it wasn't meant, but I'm sorry, it isn't meant when you fall over in the street. But when you're attempting to score a goal, it's meant. Even if you don't believe it's going to come off, the action that you're, you're doing is you know in your head, oh, do you know what? I can do that. And, and Dabby's ass goes for the professional foul and can't get near him. Incredible. <laughs> it's, I think he's probably the best foreign player the Premier League's ever seen. Oh, we'll I'd, talk more about him later, obviously, yeah. with, it, with it being a transfer thing. We'll talk a bit more on Burkamp later. Um, best 90s player overall? Oh. Ooh. You can cheat and, and choose an Arsenal player, but I, I'm, I'm still j- dreaming from Mario in USA 94. It was a great call. <laughs> I'm going to say Burkamp purely because he gave me more pleasure <laughs> than anyone else in the 90s. Fair so that, we'll so let it off because it's Burkamp. Um, structure. Um, but to go up north then to Matt. Um, this will be fun. Sum up the 90s for Newcastle. <laughs> well, I think I can do it in two words. Kevin Keegan. Yeah. Pure, pure and simple. He, he arrived and, and he got us out of that. We're not good enough, malaise. And he brought with him, you know, the shankly attitude that the, the, the fans of the club. And, and I don't know if any of the listeners play football manager, but there's a there's a Kevin Keegan setting on the game where, before the game, you know, you can say. Um, do it for the fans that was basically his team talk before every game um, and then at half time there's the where's the passion lads setting which you just click on football manager which is he came and he just did it simple he said we're going to score more goals than anyone and the fans they work hard all week they just want to come and have a couple of drinks and, and watch an entertaining game if you lose they'd rather see you lose 3-2 then lose 1-0 he said being entertained it, it was like theatre and uh, he showed us just how good football can be do you, do you think that approach cannot just doesn't work in in today's game well he flipped it on the on on its head most managers go to a club and they set up a team to be hard to beat whereas, whereas with us he just went forget about being hard to beat let's just score goals mm. and entertain and, and, and go for it because he didn't know much more the training sessions by all accounts were pretty basic um, and, and he just went up there and, and it was just in, incredible to watch him we'll never forget him and he's the reason we now play in a 50,000 seat stadium he's the reason we went into the Champions League he's the reason why you know, we can still attract decent players now because of the history that he's kind of brought to us I love it Love it. I love it. Love it. 
90 I would we'll love it. Yeah, we'll talk I would that love it. Low, many times probably then over the season. Uh, best club player in the 90s, of the 90s then? You've got a few to choose from. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, but I think like a lot of Newcastle fans were suckers for flair players, and it doesn't get any more flairy than, than Tino Aspria. I mean, <laughs> if you you rock up in the snow... Not more nuts as well than Tino yeah, Aspria. Wearing, wearing the sheepskin. <laughs> His first game, um, he megged Middlesbrough's fullback with a Cruyff turn, and he'd had a glass of wine that morning, um, thinking he wasn't playing, came on as a sub. Um, set up Steve Watson um, who scored a header and the entire team celebrated with Tino Watson was just left you know with no one around him and it, just from that minute we thought this guy is special every time he got the ball something special happened the way he had his socks rolled down the, the lazy you know cartwheel celebration in the Barcelona, Barcelona 3-2 game, yeah. where he, that night I mean those headers he, he just seemed to hang in the air on these amazing crosses that Gillespie was whipping in and I was there I was in second row of the Gallagher end and that was the loudest I've ever heard St James's Park it was an amazing night and, and I know Keegan wasn't manager Dagley was a manager that night but that was like you know five years prior to that we nearly got relegated to, to the third tier of the, mm. of the football league so it was just yeah, I loved Tino you loved, we're talking transfer tonight and this is a good reason to bring it up as well that transfer obviously that season upset the balance it's for a nicer way of saying it of the title challenge do you, do you rue that signing in, in a way because he came in and the no. 12 points disappeared but signing players like Tino that was the reason we were there in the mm. first place and, and he just added a new fresh element to it and people say oh you should have signed some, you, you know, someone more defensively minded we signed David Batty that, that season not many more defensively minded yeah, than David <laughs> he never passed the ball forward once mm. in his Newcastle it's career it's a crab so, it's the Scotty Parker um, scheme of so playing no, football we love Tino you know, no one will, we were so glad that he came to the North East and we had him for like a brief amount of time but it was every game something special happened it was hilarious I think everyone had a soft spot for that Newcastle side oh yeah yeah definitely I think you know definitely um, I was living in Leeds at the time being an Arsenal fan and a bit bored of Man United you know a lot of Man United fans in Leeds surprisingly enough and I think Newcastle were the kind of of a northern team that were playing football like Arsenal mm. that were like do you know what we're going to go out and play I loved Kevin Keegan because the way he spoke about football was the way I spoke about football was getting angry and getting passionate and, and not being t- able to express myself and you could just see that he would be us if we were football managers. Like Ian Wright says, I won't be a football manager because I'd be like Kevin Keegan. No tactics, just go and attack. But there's a lot to be said for that in the 90s that you can't get away with now, definitely. Didn't really work for Aussie Ardiles. Interesting. Mm. No, no. Played sixteen-year-olds. I think that best nineties player overall. We're still on your CV, and we're already talking about transfers. But go on, best nineties player overall. I've got to go for Dunstan's Paul Gascoigne um, for obvious reasons. Complete maverick. I mean, with Gaza, it's like it it was the story is just incredible. It's like what would happen if if one of the lads, one of us. This is the conversation you could have in the pub. What would happen if someone gave us one of us the the most amazing football ability in the world? And Gaza is what would happen, and what did happen. And I love all the stories. I never saw him play for Newcastle. Um, but just what he did to go over to to, to do what he did in, in Lazio in the Euro '96 goal, um, he scored on my, on my birthday, and I'll just I'll just. Oh, that was nice of him. Yeah, I know. Best birthday. Ever. You don't need a card and a present after no, that. No, not day, after that. No. Yeah, cheers, Paul. But love, love, guys. I got a lot of time for him. No, no matter what anyone says, no one can ever get no. denounced. He's already when I, when you. you've asked these questions, the guests have been on. He's already the the player that gets mentioned at least once by mm. by guests, and it's 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 just unbelievable what he was to that decade. What he and it's funny what you say. 
I think everyone says the same thing. He is like your your mate. You just happen to make it. He's the realist footballer. I think we had in that decade the one that you know, kind of. He came from what we all came from working class backgrounds, Mm. and you know, used to kick a ball about in the park. Even me, although I didn't wear high heels at that point. But um, yeah, he's he's the most normal footballer I think we had in England. I think that's why a lot of people related to him. Absolutely, I'm sure. As I keep saying, we'll do a pod on Paul Gaston later in season, and that will be brilliant. But we're going to move on to to talk about the '90s transfers. But before we do, um, we're going to speak to tonight's guest um, he's, he used to play for Tottenham Man City Portsmouth had a loan spell at QPR that's the only time I'll mention them tonight because I get told off I mention them too much um, it's Paul Walsh Paul welcome to Alive and Kicking yeah hi how you doing I'm good yourself yeah very good thanks yeah yeah. good good we'll talk about the 90s in a minute but you've got a new book out which I've got in front of me Walshy wouldn't it be good yeah. uh, why have you chosen now then to, to release the autobiography um, well I sort of looked at doing it a few years back with Bob Harris and we did a synopsis um, and there was a title that they wanted to name it after because there's a couple of years in the book where I think I'm fairly brutal about how I was and all the rest of it um, and they wanted to hang it all on that but on reflection I thought well you know, I was in the game 18 years and this was a couple of years and I didn't want to hang it on a couple of bad years where I got things wrong and got, you know, went off the rails a little bit um, so I decided not to do it, and they, they wanted to call it, and I think maybe Paul Merson went on and took the title, which and not to be a professional footballer. Well, you know, I did sort of 16 years it, 15 years it quite well. Um, so I didn't want to call it that, so I left it. It never happened. And then David Clayton and Trinity Mirror approached me regarding doing it, because uh, they'd done Ray Russell's book, and um, I said yes. So that, that's top and bottom of it. Brilliant, brilliant. What I've read of it so far is very good. I can't wait to read the rest of it. But let's skip forward then to, to the 90s because this is what these, this podcast is about. Um, let's start at Tottenham because that's where you really sort of early 90s, that's where you were. What, what do you remember about uh, your time at White Hart Lane and the, the cup final of 91, of course? Um, yeah, well, the cup final yeah, for me didn't really mean a lot. Um, I, I hadn't played a major part in it. Um, I wasn't starting. Um, uh, and it, you know it was always nice to be involved in a cup final and all that goes with it um, but I didn't feel a massive part I was never at my best at Tottenham um, you know and, and so it, it, it doesn't carry great affection for me really um, but you know as, as, as a one off day and a lead up to a thing it was still fantastic the FA Cup and the build up and all the rest of it and obviously it was dominated by Gaza you know and everything that went you know not only during the FA Cup final, what happened to him? But um, before it in the semi-final, and you know where he bangs that one in the top corner against Arsenal, and you know, about Gaza, we wouldn't have got there. It's as simple as that. He was absolutely phenomenal in the FA Cup games. Won, won most of them on his own, um, and um, you know it deserved to be the Gaza Cup final. But because of the, the fruitcake that he is, <laughs> and the Luno, the Luno that he was, um, he went and made a, the, the, the mental tackle, as we know. Roger Milford could have maybe booked him before that for a mad one on Gary Parker um, and didn't and, and that allowed Gazza to go and make another crazy challenge um, and you know although we went on to win it and it was great and the whole weekend was great um, there was also you know, an, an element of sadness for Gazza because he deserved to be there more than anyone and he, he wasn't really you must have a favourite Gaza story. I mean, playing with him, everyone does. He's, he, obviously, we talk about him a lot on the pod being the 1990s. Have you got a Gaza story for us? Uh, yeah, me, yeah. So, me and Gaza are just coming back from uh, Heathrow Airport. We've been over in Jersey to, to visit some disabled kids. And on the way back, we were both hungry. So um, we pulled into a, 
uh, a wimpy bar at uh, um, Southgate Roundabout, full of glass windows and all the rest of it, and he's in there eating with all the double cheeseburger and chips <laughs> each, you know, proper proper diet there. The dietitian got us on that, something in, the, in those days. And um, we're, we're, we're eating away, and there's all these kids looking at Gaz, and he's, he's letting the food fall out of his mouth, and they're all laughing at him. Anyway, we finished the food, and I went, Gaz, what do you want to do? I said, do you want anything else? You want to have a 99? So because it's Gaz, he's whipped him up the biggest 99 you've ever seen. Um, chocolate flake in the top. I'll give it to him. And as I turn around and got me change, I look back, the flake's gone. He's got half of it around his chin, but he's getting it under control. We get in the car and we drive, start to drive up the road a little bit. And there's a cyclist, a proper cyclist, drop handlebars, helmet, you know, the full shooting match, and a little backpack, little, you know, tight shorts and all the rest of it. Anyway, as, as I indicated to, to overtake him, the lowering of the window to me left-hand side just caught me attention. As I glanced left, Gaza flicked it with his wrist. And he had great timing, to be fair, Gaza. And his ice cream sort of flew across the air, and we're both looking at it through his window. And it, and it just splattered the guy straight in the face. Because <laughs> the, the guy just cocked his head towards the car as it almost hit him straight in the face. And it was absolutely amazing. And we, dro- we drove past. I'm looking in my rearview mirror. Tears are rolling down my eyes, uh, out my eyes and the cheeks. And I said, Gaza, that was um, unbelievable. I said, why, why do you do things like that? He went, I didn't know. Anyway... <laughs> And we get a set of traffic lights, we're crying like a couple of school kids, and I'm looking in the mirror and I went, Gaz, i tell you what, that fella's not happy and he's not that far away. We were six back and the lights weren't changing. Anyway, cut a long story short, he gets right alongside us, the fella, Gaz puts himself, puts the button down on the door, the fella throws his bike down, comes up, smashes on the window, and Gaz and reluctantly lowers the window, and the fella pulled out a piece of paper out of his backpack and pen and went, Gaz, is there any chance you can sign that for us? Brilliant. What a great story. <laughs> was he the yeah, best you played with, Paul? Oh, you mean you played some greats uh, in your career. Was he the best? Yeah, I mean, you know, so he's being me, me top four. Um, I mean, I've got, I can't, I can't sort of, you know, I go through all forward players, but I've gone for, I'd have to go for, I can't split Dalgleish and Rush, because Rush was ultimate goal scorer, but Kenny was the ultimate foil for him. Um, John Barnes, I thought for his first season at Liverpool, was the best player in the world. Maybe bar Maradona, but maybe even maybe even better Maradona that year. Uh, and then Gaza would come off, you know, just alongside those guys. Um, but because of Gaza's injury and didn't really have that fulfilled career where he stayed at that top level for a long, long time, um, you know, he's probably at the back end of that four. Um, but was an amazing talent. But you know, um, I just think sometimes lacks a little bit of self-control. You could argue, Venables would argue, I let him go and do what he, what he does. I think Gaz would have been a, a better player if he'd have gone and played for Man United under Alex Ferguson. Hiya, it's Natasha here. Um, I just wanted to ask, which modern-day player do you think would have been most suited to playing in the 90s? In the 90s? Um, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think Eden Hazard would have no problem because this is a guy that doesn't mind getting kicked. He throws himself across people. Um, you know, he's very cute at um, just putting his body across people just as they're making a challenge, and that means he gets kicked and he gets the free kick or he rides it. You know, so he's an exceptional player. I think you know, there's there's, there's lots of players that would be okay in in, in our era. I just like, I think there's a lot of our players that would have been okay in today's era. Okay, so um, who so who would you have said the number one 90s player that would have been great in this era? Listen, John Barnes would have been great in this year. Gaza would have been great in this year. Dalglish and Rush would have been great in this year. In this era, yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't see many many players not adapting to it. The only difference was in them days, everyone could. You know, no one's that. No one's quicker than Ian Rush going from here to over there, even now. 
Mm. Um, there's always been quick players like your Walcott. There's always been lightning quick players like a Walcott, a Lennon, and this, you know, p- p- lightning quick. But the lightning quick players are not always the best players. The best players who can do, who are quick enough but do it all under control. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, you know, Brian Robson's as well. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't I see most players being able to adapt. Um, the only thing that's different is the way that players live live then and they and they live now. Just before yeah, you yeah, go, Paul, so we'll, just, um, we'll ask you about your days at City. Um, you played with Juve, Rossler and, and Kinkladi, didn't you? They must have been some talents. Uh, uh, no, well, me and Uwe have got a special relationship. We were thrown together at City without, um, you know, didn't, didn't know each other from Adam. City fans didn't really want me because they thought I was too old. I was 32. Uwe, they didn't know and they were a bit sceptical. Anyway, we managed to score 10 goals between us in 10 games and helped to keep City up and suddenly everyone loved us. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and the next season was better, even better than that. Um, Georgie, uh, flattered to deceive. That certainly wouldn't be my, uh, my top, one of my top players in anywhere because for all his ability, didn't score goals, didn't chase it, didn't edit, didn't tackle anything. Um, and when, he, when you didn't have the ball, um, he was a liability. So, uh, very talented boy of mine who looks silky brilliant. So I can understand why City fans are fooled mm. by that, but I won't. Mm. Wow. That's interesting thoughts, actually. Right, before you go, I have to ask you one thing. So one thing, as I remember growing up 90s, was obviously the big blonde locks. How long did that take before kick-off to, to prepare? Yeah, and I think I used to just slick it back with a bit of water and off you go. <laughs> didn't, take any, didn't take in any preparation. It was after the game, took a bit of work. <laughs> brilliant. Some great photos in the book as well. Out. Thanks for talking to us, Paul. <laughs> Right. Cheers, right, thanks mate. a lot. See you later. Bye, mate. Well, that, that was interesting, wow. wasn't it? Not a lot of love for Conclancy. No, <laughs> which is surprising because, like you like said, when you talk to a City fan or, you know, you remember that era, you remember Kinkladzi, I mean, it was a goal mm. against Southampton, he scored being brilliant, but he didn't, yeah. there was no love going on for Georgie, I think, was there? I think sometimes there's a, there's a hard-working player, mm. the flair player kind of aspect, definitely in that era, in that the flair players were seen as a kind of liability or... Um, they didn't really do any work in training for the rest of the week and they just came out for 90 minutes on a, on a Sunday, did nothing for 85 minutes. Yeah, Paul Walsh probably, probably had to do a lot more defensive work. Yeah, one of those, exactly. yeah, he was King a hard worker, wasn't tracking yeah. back, was he? Yeah, he was a hard worker. <laughs> Still hasn't forgiven him. That was great stories of Gascon as well. Um, the book's out now, Walshy from Trinity Mirrors, and there's some great stories in there, so get that if you, are, if you want to hear more from Paul Walsh. But we're going to talk transfers now, and before we talk about particular ones we've got on our list, I'm going to throw this out of there. Does anyone know, so we're talking 1st of January 1990, what the record British record transfer fee was at that time, or take a guess who it was. Million pound was it? Was it Trevor Francis? No, um, that was. See, we're going back too far. There, that was kind of the seventies. I'm going to say about three million, but I couldn't mm. tell you who. Tash, do you want to guess? I was nine. I barely remember yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking four point two five million for a, a fellow Geordie, actually, Chris Waddle. How are Waddler? Yeah, he went to Tottenham through Marseille, it was. And that was, the, at the time, a British record in July 1989. But by the time the 90s rolled around, that was still the record transfer until David Platt left Villa for Bari um, in July 91 for 5.5. And by the end of the decade, so we're now looking at August 99. Any guesses? Before you look at my piece of paper, 6.5. Way more. You should know this as an Arsenal fan. Oh, and now because of Real Madrid, yeah. it's got to be, was yeah. it 22 million? Yeah, 22 and a half. That's, like That's what you call profit. That's well, like buying a, a wreck oh, and oh. doing it up to make it a castle. He only cost half a million, didn't he? That, yeah. That's, that's Wenger through and through. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about Anelka because I feel like 
although he's won loads of trophies and I respect that and that's great, I kind of feel like on the pitch he never really achieved the heights that he could have achieved if he'd had better um, management, better That's probably the bargain, surely, isn't it? I mean, talking transfers tonight, that's probably the biggest bargain of the 90s. Yeah, I, I, defi- I think that's probably the biggest yeah. bargain and ever. profit margin. Ever, except Absolutely. for a youth team player. But he was dug out as a mercenary at the time for that transfer, wasn't he? Yeah, because... It, it definitely felt like um, the people around him were like, go, go, go. And, and we see he's become this kind of two-season club player and he could have stayed at Arsenal and been a hero. But then at the same point, maybe if he hadn't have gone, you know, things would have been very different. Who was, did you replace him with? Was it Christopher Ray? It was Christopher <laughs> Ray. But then, oh, oh, but then after business. him came Thierry. So, exactly. you know, everything's let's talk, forgiven. Let's talk some particular transfers then. Um, I'm going to talk about one that doesn't quickly affect the, the, the fans here. And that's Eric Cantona, just because he's usually mentioned on this pod, and, and that transfer kind of changed the kind of how the Premier League and how what, Manchester United especially. Um, but it was kind of out of nowhere because he was on trial at Sheffield Wednesday. He went to Leeds and became quite a cult hero there, the hat trick in the charity shield. Mm. But the transfer, as we discussed in week one on the pod, had something to do with Dennis Irwin. There was a phone call going in for Dennis Irwin and Howard Wilkinson. It was turned down. And there was a cheeky uh, question from Alex Ferguson about Cantona. The deal was done and the rest was history. But what, an imp- what, a, what a sign-in, really. It c- could clearly be the sign of the 90s, Rich, eh? Oh, absolutely. And um, such, a, such a, a, an interesting character. I mean, I, I think he uh, threatened to retire before mm-hmm. joining mm-hmm. Uh, the English game. Um, he, he was uh, banned for a month when he was at Nîmes um, after, after throwing a ball at a referee. Um, after he was given the one-month one ban... He went up to everyone on the panel and called them an idiot. And then his, his uh, ban was increased to two months, and so that's when he announced his retirement, but then came out of retirement, well, yeah, went I think to England. The crucial thing that happened there was Ferguson flew out to, to France, having been told he was retiring and accepted it. Ferguson then decided mm. to take no for an answer, flew out to France, talked him back from the ledge, and he came back to Man United. And I think he was probably the reason that Newcastle didn't win the league that season. He scored a lot of goals, and I think he was the one player that, that made the difference in, in that close title race. I think um, players like Cantona probably wouldn't be appreciated in this modern era. It's going back to the Kinkladzi thing. Yeah. He, he was obviously a better player yeah. than Kinkladzi, but he was all about... The team was built around Canada yeah. and his lack of whatever, his one weaknesses that he kind of had, they built, they wouldn't do that now. Yeah. That's too much his, of the team. His going. confidence would have been seen as arrogance rather mm. than I believe in myself. I mean, as much as I'm not really loving Man U in the 90s because they were our immediate challengers as an Arsenal fan, it was that kind of, I don't like people, I don't care what you think of me, I'm going to go and do what I do. And I respect that kind of, that mantra in that even though it's a team sport, hello, I'm the god, let's all bow down to me. But there is a kind of backstory to the Leeds situation, which is that it was more personal reasons why he left Leeds Mm -hmm. and that they wanted to get rid of him for another player's benefit, which when you look at where Leeds are now and where Man United are now, it's probably the worst decision it's that the has ever that made. One signing could possibly make that difference, especially because he was, you know, they'd won the league leads the season before as well. Yeah. They were a team. They weren't a mid-table team. They were a team that were challenging and up there. Yeah, but then the Premier League came in and, and things changed, wasn't it? Like people that were good in the old First Division weren't necessarily so good in the Premier League. Can you imagine Cantona on Twitter? <laughs> oh my god! I'm, I bet Seagulls. his agent doesn't but let him on. Do you know Twitter. what? To be honest, he'd like he'd be like Joey Barton, but with brains rather than just copying things out of books. Ooh, that's you got. They were Paul Walsh in your. Uh... Oh, babe, you know I'm honest. <laughs> that's why we like Tash and why we have him here. <laughs> going back to Rich again because we're going to talk another transfer. For me, I remember this as, as a massive deal at the time. 
um, because the Premier League had just kind of started to bubble in under. We will get more coverage. Sky had come in, the money had come in. Um, but the, Cantona was a big star, but we didn't. There wasn't a superstar until this man jetted in from Monaco, Jurgen Klinsmann. Klinsmann, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the pictures in the paper of uh, Alan Sugar shaking his hands in, that, on his yacht in Monte yeah. Carlo. Um, what a signing! I, it, was so, it was probably the most exciting day of my life when Jurgen Klinsmann joined from Monaco. Um, lured under the, the wife isn't listening. Don't worry. <laughs> Lured under the false pretenses that Tottenham would challenge for the title. Um, no wonder he only stuck around for one season, but what a season it was. And that debut, I mean, we, we, we mock sometimes the German sense of humour, but the dive, the kit, yeah. I'm going to say it, yes, I'm mentioning the kit again, that beautiful purple beautiful. Tottenham kit. Beautiful. Um, we love debut. a bit of purple, don't we? Purple's good colour. But Tottenham love a bit of purple, especially in the Nitals. But it was dream debut, wasn't it, for Klinsmann? It was, it was. And it, it yeah, I, I, you guys talked about it on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it, was, it was so Spursy to sort mm-hmm. of. Um, Four three away from home. It was um, <laughs> yeah, very much spazzy. very much the Aussie Ardiles uh, way at the time. Um, yeah, I mean it didn't really work for Tottenham. They, he, I think Aussie Ardiles was sacked by sort of October after a three 0 defeat by Notts County that season. But um, yeah, Klinsman. I think he scored thirty goals that season, which is uh, one fewer than Harry Kane last season. Just uh, FYI. Mm. Why did that he stop, why did that he stop doing the, the celebration? He only did it maybe once or twice, didn't he? Why didn't he do it every time he scored? Probably because he was worried about breaking his pelvis, I would imagine. It wasn't the most practical celebration for a footballer. Not with a white kid as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of school kids ruined a lot of clothes by copying yeah, I mean That and the Renny Aguita scorpion kit. I definitely yeah. have an issue with white kits because it's like, oh, your kit's dirty. It looks like you've done loads of work. No, you haven't. You've just been on the floor. Like You could just wipe mud all over yourself. Like The 90s loved a white kit. I'm I'm Muddy pitches as well. I like I like colour. How, did you appreciate Clint Smith and know he was on the other side of North London? You, might, you know, the sign yeah. in itself. I'm an Arsenal supporter, but I'm a football fan, so I can look at other players and, and respect what they do and appreciate the fact that, yeah, for, for, for that season, Tottenham fans dreamed that they'd be better than us. And, you know, <laughs> but we, we all know the truth. Um, please, please don't <laughs> at me on Twitter. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I can respect another player who, who is good and who has that skill, and I love a flair player as much as I love a defender. It was so exciting because it came in the immediate aftermath of USA 94. Mm. He'd just scored five goals at the World Cup. He was a bona fide world superstar at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Germany hadn't had a great tournament, but Mm. he himself had. And and it was just, it was from nowhere as well. Uh, A lot of transfers nowadays, you kind of, you hear a lot of the rumours, you you see a lot of the speculation and you kind of know it's going to happen. But that was right out of the blue. Oh, that's social network. It's ruined it for everyone, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. ruined it for everyone. We can't just ring up Club Call now and hope that we hear some random rumours. Or, yeah. or like um, go back to the opening page of football on Teletext. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Restart yeah. again. Yeah. Bring back the days when players used to show up in sheepskin coats, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Although, who's the new Newcastle player who showed up looking like he was going to his graduation? Bemba. Oh, I love that. It was brilliant. I was like, "Are you getting married? Are you going to your graduation?" He was like, "They told me to dress smart." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I love you." That's he should have checked out Tino on Twitter, huh? shouldn't he? That's br- it was £117 he paid for that tuxedo from there. Oh, that's Newcastle through and through. Bargain. Oh, bargain. Absolute bargain. Did did you say hey, you would get a suit that cheap in London, I'll tell you that. <laughs> we're going to switch to Newcastle because we're already, as we always do, run out of time. So we, but we have to talk uh, about two particular transfers in the North East. Firstly, 
the sight of Kevin Keegan on the steps of St James's Park explaining a transfer, something I, I don't think we've seen since and ever see again, a manager explaining. Um, how did you feel? Andy well, Cole gone. Yeah, well, the city was it just, just turned into chaos, but there's a bit of a backstory in that. In that Cole, the season before, Cole scored 41 goals, broke Huey Gallagher's record and had an amazing season. He had a bit of second season syndrome and um, Keegan and him had, had fallen out at Tellers Park. Big argument. Cole went missing for three days. He went about eight games without a goal at one stage. So Ferguson timed it well, made a call and, and, and Keegan went, you know what, I'm going to let him go here. Um, and the board said, you're mad, but you know, we've backed you up to this stage. So, so we went and, and then, by this stage it was on the, on the front page of the Evening Chronicle and the crowd had congregated at St James's Park and Brilliant. that's how you found out news in, in, in those <laughs> yeah. days. Through word of in mouth. In my day. <laughs> so, <laughs> to be fair, you know, how many other managers would, would go in front up instead of sneaking out the back door? So, so him and mm. McDermott went out and, and the crowd were there and he went, look, you've got to back me here and... You've trusted me this far. It's got us this far, and and, and people people were allowed. It was like an, an, an impromptu Q and A on the, on the steps of James Park, and and there was a lot of you know shouting and whatever. And people were saying, "Oh, you, you'll definitely have someone. You'll definitely have a backup plan." And, and the truth is, he didn't have a backup plan. He, he'd done it on a whim. He took the money. He didn't have a backup plan, and we waited. We saved that money, and in the summer we bought David Janola and Les Ferdinand. So it was a, a big risk, but we had to back him, and I think it was the, the be- best choice in the end. And, and Andy Cole didn't start amazingly at Man no, I think he had no. a few goals without a few games without a goal so um, I do think it was at the right time and uh, fair play to Keegan he got it spot on that time he did I, 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 there's a rumour that as well at the time whether it's true or not that he hadn't signed Andy Cole his next target was Kevin Gallen of QPR <laughs> said it again I'll stop um, from the excuse. dismal to, to the, more, well, the record breaking transfer as it was um, Alan Shearer I remember I was watching the Olympics I think it was that summer yeah 96 Olympics at the time and Des Lynham came into I think we've already said this he did it with someone else he must have been the breaking news the Jim White of his day um, to, to say there's been a transfer and it had been that £15 million pound, which in, in, in 1996 it was such a oh. stupid amount of money mm. But yeah. away the man, He'd, he was there. He was the, the, the boy had come home. You yeah. must have been over the moon. It was incredible. And this again was the nineties. Transfers just happened. There was no mm. slow build up. There was no oh, we're meant to be speaking to, to Shira. It was just phone call. Uh, from my my memory, it was a phone call from my dad. Um, you, we've signed Kev, we've, you know we've signed Alan Shearer and, and, and he'd just been top scorer at Euro ninety six. Fifteen million pounds was a heroic amount of money. Um, and we'd come so close to winning the title the season before that it was a kind of case of, wow, we've got Alan Shearer, he's a Geordie, we are now going to win everything in sight. How can we possibly lose a game? Um, and then we lost 2-0 to Everton on the first game of the season. <laughs> so, and I physically, I couldn't, bel- I couldn't fathom how that was possible, but that, that was very much Newcastle. It, it, it turned out all right, though, did well. Apart from the cup final defeats, his record goal scoring for, for Newcastle. It will ling love. It won't ever be beating that record, will it? No, it physically impossible. I think there's a ridiculous start on Harry Kane has to score, you know, one and two until he's 35 if he wants to get near it, and it's never going to happen. So uh, Shearer's got that in his locker. He's a he's a legend, and and, and you know, it was the best signing we'll probably ever make in in history of the football club. Talking of best signers, we have already briefly mentioned Burkamp, so you can t- you can talk about him slightly again. But I mean, Arsenal's transfers. Are, I'm going Wenger's really because he bought in guys like Patrick Vieira. And Manu Petit, and we talk about change the nineties. These were guys that really, for all honest, hadn't really heard. We hadn't heard of. I oh, know. Venga, Venga, who? We hadn't Anyone? heard of the manager. We hadn't yeah. heard of these players. But the the back end of the nineties, that Arsenal team. I always say, I think it's, it's such a difference between George Graham's and Arsene Wenger's Arsenal. Yeah. It's ridiculously different. I mean, I think but it's Arsene, those players that changed it, wasn't it? I think Arsene took the best of George Graham, which was the defence, and added what he he sees as real football, which is passing the ball. 
attacking but we had that back five which you know is absolutely amazing and and we'll still go down in history we'll be talking about in 20 years time I think there's not a lot of teams or or fans that can say we'll be talking about their their team in 20 years time but yeah I think with Bergkamp talking about Cantona again you kind of did the team was built around him but in a less obvious way in terms of he didn't need to go back and defend he was Dennis Bergkamp you know he didn't need to he didn't didn't like planes yeah yeah exactly he (laughs) didn't like to fly he didn't need to go to champ I mean how many European trophies would we have won if he could get on a plane if you gave him some milk like B.A. Baracus you might have been all right knocked him out I don't know just give him a tablet it's medicine (laughs) science is quite good these days so yeah I mean for me it was it was a complete contrast from watching the whole Alan Smith era, 1-0 to the Arsenal. And you see people like Ian Wright who actually thrived yeah. on Dennis Bergkamp coming. And even guys like Tony Adams, like Vieira, Petit, Dennis Bergkamp, they came and they'd all go to a pub and they'd be drinking orange juice. And Tony Adams looking at them like, have a pint, you know, have a fag. And they're like, no, I'll drink orange juice. I think the signing of Bergkamp was was literally the first domino knocking over that changed the whole mentality and and way of life within Arsenal. I think you can't underestimate that in a club and it is important to look after yourself. And let's be honest, if Tony Adams had carried on the way he was, he wouldn't have been playing football. He'd have never scored that goal at Everton to win us the title. But people like Bergkamp, Vieira coming in, who were all about training, living healthy, you know, clean eating, they, they completely changed everything for... Arsenal the team and Arsenal fans overall absolutely um, we're running out of time so before we go was there any other transfer I mean Gascoigne to Rangers is one we had on Twitter any others that stand out for you as, as milestones in the 90s guys Andy Carl <laughs> yeah I mean Cole, Cole, Cole was incredible and again it, again, it was just backing Keegan to, to do that and at the time we just trusted him with our lives and I think it was a good call in the end to get, to get Ginola I think we got Ginola for about £2.5 million and Fernand for not much for about that was the start of, of the kind of foreign influx yeah. I think mm. and I liked I preferred that era because the foreign players that came over here were the top draw foreign players yeah. yeah I would say one other for Newcastle as well was when we signed Philippe Albert um, out of nowhere this is in yeah, the 90s to say his name right like Martin Tyler says it Philippe Albert <laughs> Everyone knows his name as the song goes, but it, we signed him and it was like, where's this guy come from? And, and there was no scouting networks in the 90s, and we were like, oh, has Kevin got scouts all over Europe? This is incredible. And no, the story was he was co commentating at the, at the 94 World Cup over a Belgium game, and, and, he, and he got Albert uh, based on that. So that, that was pure luck, and, and he, was, he scored a pretty decent chip, chip Rich, again. Just before we go, last word, any more, not, any more transfers stand out for you? Teddy Sheringham joining from Nottingham Forest on the eve of the Premier League, mm. uh, August 92. Uh, really enjoyed that one. The worst, though, has got to be Jason Dizelle joining from Ipswich. Um, very Spursy transfer. It didn't do well, Dizelle and Kiwomir, after their Ipswich days, did they go to North London? No, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> should have stayed at Ipswich. I think we should end on that note. We're talking about Ipswich and Jason Dizelle. <laughs> but thank you, guys. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Tash. Brilliant to go through those um, stories. We're actually back in two weeks. We're taking an international break next week. So while we're off with Graham Taylor... Um, um, on international duty please listen to the, the previous pods and uh, uh, which were on kit we talked about opening days and league cup so download them have a listen we'll be back in two weeks where we, we'll be dusting off our Merlin sticker albums to talk about stickers and collectibles I'm Ash Rose keep it 90s this podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production